Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. It is wonderful to have you with me. I want to dive in in this episode talking about one of our American presidents. We have all just learned, you've probably seen this in the press, that Jimmy Carter, our 39th president, has just decided to no longer have his various physical ailments tended at a hospital. He's going to go home. He's going to receive hospice care, which is a sign that he's ready to go. He's in his 90s. He's older, he's served well, and he's ready to go. And I wanted to talk about him in this podcast. He is a man who is confusing. He rates in the lower half of American presidents, according to most historians, but his life outside of the presidency is one of the most exemplary. And I wanted to talk about him, perhaps draw some leadership lessons from his successes and his failures, and uh, talk about what part of his life I think is really exemplary. We will probably be watching his funeral soon, first presidential funeral we've had in a while. And uh, I think it's important for us to to ponder his life a little bit. And, and I'd like to get ahead of the curve here. There'll be a lot of tributes coming out, and I want to mention him. He, he is important to me as a figure, uh, although I don't fully agree with him politically, but he's important to me as a figure because he was elected in 1976. That was the year I went to college. So at my university, there was a great deal of debate about him, Republicans debating Democrats. There was excitement about Carter. He was the first president not associated with Watergate. You know, Richard Nixon had taken us into the debacle of Watergate. And then Jerry Ford, his vice president, became president. And people wanted a break at the end of the first four years of Ford's administration, the only four years of Ford's administration. People liked him. People were grateful to him. But people wanted a break from the Nixon years. And Jimmy Carter was running. So in 1976, he became president. He served one term and then was defeated by Ronald Reagan, a man whose time had come. The national mood had shifted. It was 1981 when he was inaugurated, and it was just time for a change. So let's back up a little bit. Uh, Jimmy Carter was unique among American presidents. He was born in small town Georgia in a city called Plains. His father had been a state official, political official. Jimmy Carter worked on his father's peanut farm, lived a rural Georgia life, and he eventually got an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy. This is important. This is an important insight into who he is. He graduated from the Naval Academy and began to work in America's nuclear submarine program. Now, I think this is unbelievably revealing of who Jimmy Carter is, and I think it explains a little bit of why he is considered in the lower half of American presidents. Let me explain. He quickly got pulled into the very cutting-edge, very high-tech field of nuclear submarines. He served under Admiral Hyman Rickover, a legend uh, in the Navy, certainly for his work with submarines. Submarines, particularly nuclear submarines, are a very high-tech, elite kind of field. They're just packed with, it's dangerous, first of all. Uh, you go deep into the ocean. You sometimes sit on the bottom for a long period of time. You're miles below the surface. You're in a, basically you're living in a system. 
It's that a submarine is one big system, very tight quarters, lots of technology, lots of gauges. You're living on technology. Um, everything is about, you know, it's not like you're a soldier in the field sleeping in a sleeping bag and yeah, you got a gun. You're living in a weapon. You're living inside of a nuclear reactor in essence. And, um, the thing is run by engineers. Command is largely about engineering. Um, it's a very tight system. It's a very tight community. And I'm not playing on words, very tight environment. Uh, I've been in a couple of submarines. I got to tell you, I, being as big as I am and battling a little bit of claustrophobia, I got to tell you, that was not easy to walk through a sub as impressed as I was by what they do. They're also on the front lines. If we suddenly go to war against a nuclear power, our submarines may very well be the first to fire American weapons. So very high tech, high level of engineering, basically living inside of a nuclear reactor, unbelievable area of service. And this is where Jimmy Carter served. Well, he eventually got out of the Navy, went back to his farm in Georgia. His father had died. uh, And between debts that needed to be paid off and the, the inheritance of the rest of his family, he really did find himself needing to reinvent the farm. And this is where his engineering skills came into play. He figured out how to farm better. He used latest technologies and latest techniques, and he made his farm prosperous. He served in the state legislature, and he eventually became governor of Georgia. Now, it's pretty interesting that that's all he had achieved politically by the time he ran for president. And it's kind of amazing. Georgia's not the biggest state. It's not really a bellwether state. Carter was Again, a peanut farmer that was repeated a lot by by those who both loved him and hated him. And uh, eventually he ran, but he ran at the right time. The country was looking for a change. Carter was, uh, had a lean towards the South, obviously was a little bit cool. For example, one of the bands that would play at his campaign stops when he was running for president was the Allman brothers, uh, who endorsed him and campaigned for him. Can you imagine? So People were wanting to break from the Republicans. They were wanting to break from the Nixon administration. Uh, Ford was still seen as part of that administration. Uh, They wanted a new day. They wanted an outsider. And they got it in Jimmy Carter, who won. Well, Carter did not make that great of a president. And I think the question has to be why. Why do historians, it's not just my evaluation, why do historians rank him in the lowest half Uh, the lower half of American presidents. Well, I think it comes down essentially to micromanaging. There's a famous story that happens to be true that once he became president, uh, Carter spent maybe a day, that's just reported variously, maybe a day figuring out the schedule, uh, how how to construct the scheduling for the White House tennis courts. Well, it's typical of him. He's an engineer. He's used to living inside of a system. Everything to him is a system. Everything to his him is a technology. It's how he rescued the family farm. And so he understands systems. He can operate in them. He understands his obviously leadership gifts as a Naval Academy grad. And so that's how he led. Well, it didn't work that well for him. He over-micromanaged. He didn't get along well with, with uh, Congress. 
He was a man mired. He was a man immersed in the weeds. He didn't have the 30,000-foot view. He didn't have the big philosophical view. He would go on television uh, and basically chastise the nation for using too much energy. And um, he would complain publicly that the energy crisis was real and that people needed to set their thermostats at a different level if we were going we to win the, the energy crisis. Well, you know, there was another way to go. How about innovation? How about uh, producing more energy? Uh, a lot of ways to go. But instead, like a Navy officer, like a Navy officer who's an engineer, he chastised people and told them to reset their systems. Well, nobody bought it. And he looked foolish doing it. And there are a lot of situations like this. Um, as good a man as he was, he was a man who simply didn't uh, lead well. Well, the thing that really brought an end was the Iranian hostage crisis. As you recall, uh, you've seen it perhaps in the movie Argo, the Iranians overran our embassy in Tehran, held about, uh, I think it was 100 hostages, maybe more, for something like 400 days. This was all happening during my senior year of college. And eventually, they were released just as Reagan was sworn in. In fact, there are allegations that the Reagan administration asked the Iranians to hold on to the hostages a little bit longer until he was actually sworn in so it would happen on his watch. I can't verify that that's true, uh, but it certainly was uh, the situation that was reported. Now, Carter definitely did some good things. For example, within days of being elected president, he forgave all of those who had been draft dodgers of the Vietnam War. You may not agree with that, but it healed something in our country. It healed something in our country. And um, Carter also did something else for you beer drinkers. This will surprise you. In 1979, Carter deregulated the American beer industry by making it legal to sell malt, hops, and yeast to American home brewers for the first time since the effective 1920 beginnings of prohibition in the United States. That created the microbrewing industry. So if you're sitting somewhere in a microbrewery uh, and you're raising a glass, raise a glass to Jimmy Carter here, especially in his last days, um, because his decision to deregulate the American beer industry is what's led to microbreweries, home breweries, microbrewing restaurants. All of this surge of fascination and improvement of beer came about because Jimmy Carter took government out of it. Now, he may rank in the lowest half a lower half of American presidents, according to most historians. But what Jimmy Carter, the way he lived after he left office was unbelievably exemplary. First of all, he worked tirelessly for Habitat for Humanity, an organization that builds homes for the poor. And he didn't just fund it. He didn't just help delete it. He didn't just sit on its board. He actually went out, a skilled carpenter, and built many, many houses as part of teams. Or I've got friends who decided to volunteer a month or a summer or a weekend or a project. And before, you, without even being forewarned, here comes Jimmy Carter. Uh, he just walks out there with his with his carpenter's belt on and gets to work, starts hammering away. Um, that's the kind of man he was. He started the Carter Center essentially to help negotiate in world situations, and he won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for it. He was a man who often was summoned to negotiate or go into difficult situations by future presidents, and he you know did some good. 
A lot of people loved him already as president because he was one of the first presidents to talk about being born again. He was openly, he openly admitted that as he was running for office. He did an interview for Playboy during his candidacy in which he uh, admitted to having feelings of lust and repenting of them and how he battled with it. I'm not sure that Playboy was exactly the place to <laughs> confess his sins, especially in the area of lust. But nevertheless, he was that kind of open figure. He was a little confusing to a lot of born-again Christians because he did not hold many of the views they hold. He was pro-abortion. He was pro-gay. He was not necessarily pro-Israel. Those are some biggies for evangelical born-again America. So there was tension with him, and uh, he certainly thought he understood the Arab world better than most of these evangelicals. But I'll tell you the other part of Carter's life that is something we ought to hang on to. He probably lived the simplest existence of any president. Most presidents not only have uh, nice salaries after coming out of office and secret service protection for the rest of their lives and they're carted around or what have you, um, they also can command huge uh, fees for speeches. They get paid by their own libraries, all that kind of thing. They can make millions uh, on the other side of being in office. Carter, however, never was impressed with that kind of thing. He said literally, and this is a quote, I don't see anything wrong with it. He's talking about making millions after you leave office. I don't blame other people for doing it. It just never had been my ambition to be rich. Now think about that. On a typical Saturday night, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting uh, from, a, from an article here that, it, that looked at these issues with him. On a typical Saturday night, dinner uh, for the Carters was at a friend's place. It was salmon and broccoli casserole on a paper plate, plastic solo cups of ice water, and one glass each of bargain brand Chardonnay. (laughs) Then they would walk the half mile home to their own ranch, which they had built in 1961. Now here really shows you the simplicity of their lives. They live at this moment in a house that is assessed in value. It's the same house that they built in 1961. They live in a house that is assessed at $167,000. Now, you know enough about the homes that other people live in, Trump, Obama, etc., to know that they are millions and millions and millions, and normally new, or bought and dramatically remodeled, or they're a tower in New York. The Carters live in a house they, they built together in 1961. It's appraised at $167,000. And here's the interesting little fun fact. The Secret Service armored cars that sit out in their front yard to protect them are worth more than the house. No question. Secret Service armor-plated vehicles that carry weapons and can can withstand a missile shot and all that kind of thing, they're hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Carter's home, $167,000. Well, some people may not admire that. Some people may not think that that's uh, admirable, that he lived such a simple life, but I think he probably had more impact after the presidency than he did during the presidency. He was an example. He lived a simple life. He challenged some of the the grab that happens after a, a presidential administration. And I have a friend who was flying a plane once, not flying the plane, but on an, on an airliner once. And he was just reading his book. And he said, I suddenly heard people behind me going, oh, ah, ah. And he turned around and there was Jimmy Carter working his way down the aisle, just shaking hands and saying hi to people. The former president's act and sitting presidents after him would not let him give up his entire Secret Service protection. 
but he was on that plane without Secret Service protection. The Secret Service would meet him in the town they were in, in the airport they were going to. And someone, of course, at Secret Service had driven him to the airport he departed from. But on the plane, it was just he and Rosalind shaking hands, knowing people would be thrilled to meet an American president. And he shook hands, went up and down the aisle and shook hands with everybody who wanted to. Well, sometimes you have a man who's a man of good character, a man of nobility, a man of values, a man of faith, and he just doesn't do well in office. And I think that's Jimmy Carter. I think he was too much an engineer, too much a microsystems man, too much thinking that if you just tinker with the machinery, you'll win the day, that he blew it with Congress, blew it in defense, blew it in a lot of the initiatives he attempted to bring about, but did some good things. I think forgiving draft dodgers was something that ultimately healed the country. Otherwise, we'd still be hunting them down somewhere and who knows where in the world. And I think it would have been a, a tragedy for the country. And of course, for you beer drinkers, you're raising a glass to Jimmy Carter this evening. So Jimmy Carter will pass for this life before too long. I think we ought to thank God for his life. Even though he wasn't the best of presidents, he was a good man on our international scene. I don't agree with him politically on most of the major things in his politics, but sometimes character transcends politics. And we ought to take a page from his book. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.